Hey there, it's Ben. I'm giving a few shoutouts this week. First, I'd like to thank Christine for helping out over the winter months and for while we're looking for a new permanent co-host. If you would like to join the conversation, we're currently looking for a woman or non-binary game master who runs the FFG Star Wars system or Genesis. If you think that this is you, send your inquiry to ben at theheidianway.com. Second, I'm going to give a shout out to our Patreon backers who signed up for the backer game and to Ozzy for coming out to play. I really enjoy running these for our backers, and you can get your name in at patreon.com slash theheidianway. Third, I want to thank those who help out behind the scenes here at The Heidian Way and who show support like Christine, Marcus, Dan, Ross, Tess, and Leslie, as well as many who have missed. Thank you, and now on to the show. Looking over the list that was left for us. Clean Wookiee Suit? Check. Polish Blaster? Check. Make sure a sepic deck is marked? Check. Alright, Christine. I think we have it all done while David is off for the Empire's Got Talent tryouts. Well, as long as we're waiting, this is a good opportunity to, you know, maybe take the Bogwing out with me at the helm? Please, Ben. I know I can be a better pilot. Just with the right teacher. Alright, what's the worst that could happen? Welcome to an adaptable tale from the Hydean Way. We're your hosts, Christine Chester. And Ben Yendel. This week, we're going to be talking about the things that you can do with the change that happens in party size. Now, my Thursday night game that has been brought up every now and then, one of my players has, for personal reasons, decided to leave the game. And... Well, it's a thing that can happen. Like, people get too busy, people have to drop out for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. You're going to run into cases where characters have to leave. Players have to leave. Mm -hmm. The question is, how do you handle it? Christine, have you had any sort of experience with this kind of situation? Not so much from the GM side. In a recent campaign that it's still up in the air whether it will continue or not, we are losing a player if it does continue. And so this is a topic that's been on, on my mind recently. And I think there, there are a few factors to consider. One is where are you in a campaign's life? Because mm. if it's, you know, you're one session or two in, it probably isn't, like the dynamic isn't established. It's probably not going to affect things as much as opposed to if you're, weeks in months in or even years into a campaign <laughs> that could have a dramatically different effect yeah likewise with uh, regards to what skill set that character had or on what note did that player depart a game are all potential factors and the last one i kind of i kind of want to touch on first is if it isn't that something has come up and they're leaving for personality conflict reasons or things are going on that they don't want to be there for the sort of first rule as a gm is making sure that the rest of your player group is okay like okay with continuing this story yes it is one of those things where at that time you can just shelve a campaign it would be lovely to get back to it but it was just something that just is never going to happen yeah and same thing applies to the gm like in the the recent example on my end, 
the player who will not be returning uh, did not depart on good terms. A lot of bad blood with the GM, and that's a major factor where we don't know if the game will continue because the the GM is still accepting like what what occurred that little bit of drama and figuring out does he want to continue this campaign or would it be easier to move on to the next idea because uh, we were still relatively early on you're kind of making me think of one of my own campaigns where the player that left uh he was first off a bin player to another of the players if it wasn't for the one who was disinvited the other one doesn't show up, so we had lost two players with it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. The thing was is that we got lucky in where we were in the campaign, and they had just finished a major milestone. Mm-hmm. Sure, they're not going to be able to do sort of act three of the campaign of finding out where their master is and rescuing their master, maybe. Mm-hmm. They're still in a good enough spot where, yeah, you know, we can just sort of relax. We can let that go. Mm-hmm. They've done sort of their big good thing, and we can be copacetic. Those transition points are a big deal. Oh, yeah. As well as something else, because it's occurring to me, I actually have another much better example I just haven't thought of. It's also important to catch, like if you do have, bring in new players, to catch them up on what's going on. Mm-hmm. Because you are going to have these personal stories, these shared experiences. Mm, Yes that the new character and the new player aren't going to have at the start. You've got to rebuild that like party dynamic. True, very true. Even if it is just one person leaving, you then have to figure out, well, what is the new party dynamic? Yes. For my Thursday night game, it was a very amicable split. We actually were even able to get a send-off session where this player was able to do something for their character in such a way that it made sense for that character to leave. Which is always the best situation. Yeah, so there's very little hard feelings about it. They're heading off to, like, their character's heading off, and mm-hmm. it's one of those things of, well, technically the character's still alive, so they could show up again in the future and all that sort of fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, so we had the sort of perfect version of it. But then the next session that we are going to have at this point We've got to figure out, well, what what is the new normal for it? Because they just had their mechanic slash computer person leave. And that is going to affect things, not just mechanically with that skill set, whether a member of the party wants to pick it up or they're going to grab an NPC for it, but also like those characters are, are now missing that, you know, that mechanic. They're missing that fourth or fifth party member. I forget how large a group is. In this case was fifth. Okay. And there will be, you know, depending on how the character left as well, could be kind of a grieving process or at least that, that adapting. As I know, another very common thing of a player is leaving a group on good terms is that their character might go out in a blaze of glory. Yeah, there's that too. Because I've had that happen before. And then the party was literally grieving even as we moved forward and picked up a new party member. And that affects things, especially if said new party member is filling in the shoes of the old guy. <laughs> yeah, well, then you've got a huge amount of interpersonal dynamics there of, well, is the new person going to measure up? And a lot of that sort of stuff that is going to be happening on a player level that can get translated into a character level. Mm-hmm. Doing that's not bad. 
like doing that can actually be a really good and healthy thing for your group. Mm -hmm. The trick as a GM is you kind of need to direct this. You need to make sure that it isn't going to be a brutal thing. You are getting people who are buying in. Like you do essentially have a new session zero. And you can't, you have to set aside some of the current plot threads Mm -hmm. to rebuild things. And if there are still those plot threads that are important to have a means to to catch them up, to catch up the, again, if there is somebody new. And in terms of like the session zero idea, that also can simply apply where even, even if you don't have a player leaving, what if they lost it? What if a character was lost, though, and they're bringing in somebody new? That's a good point. The reason why I like doing a mid-campaign session zero is you're able to get back in contact with the players. You can get back to the idea of this is what my character now is. This is what this new character is. This is how they might know each other. Mm-hmm. Because having a intra-party bond is useful. Extremely. You could also even rope them, rope in a new character into an existing party member. Oh, well, this is my cousin so-and-so. Good point. Or I, I pulled a job with this guy before. He's trustworthy. That can be a good way to keep somebody from feeling like the like the odd person out if they're being brought into that situation. That's a pretty good point. And yeah, that definitely does sort of help things in. The nice part about doing a session zero is it isn't just figuring out the character connections. It is, as you said earlier, is getting that player up to speed on. This is actually what we're doing. You can get a couple of the players to recount a few of their exploits. Mm-hmm. The new player has an idea of, well... This is somewhat the normal for the group. Oh, well, this is the pilot that, until the Gand left, had never been able to fly a a ship without crashing it. Oh, (laughs) actually, even with the Gand leaving, still not being able to fly it without crashing. But that's beside the point. So you have a launch pad? (sighs) Now that you mention it, yes. (laughs) Yes. Uh, The pilot is definitely a launch pad. So they probably are going to need another mechanic then. <laughs> Quite possibly, yes. But, but but that can be a cool narrative too. Like I know I as a player would probably immediately jump on that of the, oh, we don't have the skill set. If I can think of like a, a direction why my character might pick that up, that could be a cool thing to do mm-hmm. of, oh, you know what? I've always either, I've always wanted to learn this or I was taking lessons from the Gand and oh. I'm going to, I'm going to step up. I can do this. Oh, that's a good point. Or played for comedy if you're not very good at it. <laughs> <laughs> there is that as well. Like, there's several different ways of which you can play that up. It's Some of it is how the players at the table are wanting to handle it. Are they wanting to just have a smaller group now and they're going to ignore that and they're just going to end up paying for it in uh, port, which gets expensive quick, which me as a GM just loves. I think that depends a lot on the group size. Like your group going from five to four, I don't think will be as big of a head as, say, a group of three people going down to two. Uh, Or a group of five going down to three. True. In the case of losing multiple people, which I think is a much bigger issue when you start having multiple characters out of the picture. I don't know how easy it would be to sort of reboot or restart a campaign that you've lost a significant portion of your player party. In my own situation, I shelved it and started anew. But taking a look at what those players are doing with their new party, you can see that they're taking into account that they are now three people. Three people in a Star Wars campaign, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it definitely can feel light. It's like, 
oh, well, we don't have a mechanic or we don't have a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> so the older example I thought of, that's literally what happened to us. <laughs> we were a party of four and we gained a fifth player who came in playing. I actually don't even remember what he was mechanically. He was basically like an ex-imperial bureaucrat. And then like a session or two later, we lost our Wookiee doctor. And a session or two after that, we lost our mechanic. Ooh, ouch. And we eventually, we got a new fourth party member who took over the mechanic's position. But it was a lot of like rapid changes for that group. And the GM did a good job of keeping us going, even though he had kind of set his eyes on wrapping up the campaign he took the time to weave in the two new people's obligations, because we were doing Edge of the Empire, and give them some of the spotlight, even as we were going further down the paths of, of myself and the, the pilot, who had been around since the beginning, and our obligations and core stories. Mm-hmm. Including some weaving in for the, the bureaucrat who was kind of reporting on us <laughs> to the Empire. <laughs> As a GM, you definitely got to be cognizant of that. Like, with the departures of players, you have the departures of characters. And if your campaign is still going and you feel up to it, or you're just bullheaded enough to keep going because I've kind of been there too, actually just still working in, oh, well, these guys left, or working in that, oh, this guy who's been here a few times has, they changed jobs and now the character's going to be showing up like once every three sessions. So what's something that their character can be off doing? Yeah. One of the things that I've had is someone's essentially taken a sabbatical where they have to be out of town for, I think it was two months. It wasn't going to be conducive to the group for them to be uh, connecting in. It was probably a time zone thing. So their character is off doing something else. But that can be a great opportunity. Like, I, I love that because you could, like, that player, assuming they have the time at all for this, could craft a story like, what were you doing while you were away? Like, um, I missed a session before, and granted, I went the extra mile, but, like, wrote, like, a little story. Okay, here's here's a misadventure that occurred to my character while I was away. Oh, exactly. Uh, and it, it's fun because then the players get a little something extra and... And depending on how long your character was away, a session, or especially when you're going into two months, that thing could have been pretty big. And you have that, you know, those kind of moments like we see sometimes in Star Wars of, I haven't seen you in forever. Let me tell you what happened to me (laughs) when we were apart. (laughs) And after that amount of time, you sort of go between them meeting up as they're looking at the Falcon. Mm-hmm. for like a session away from each other from the group to the hand you old dog on cloud city mm-hmm. maybe not quite to the extremes but anakin padme and obi-wan on geonosis at the end of attack of the clones yeah where it's just oh look aren't we in such a fine mess as always yeah. <laughs> and you can tie things back together just like that It also can have some great narrative additions depending on why did your character leave the party? Were you captured (laughs) by the enemy and that's the story? Were you, did you have a fight with another party member and that's why your character left for a while and you're coming back realizing what you were arguing about was stupid? (laughs) 
you could spin it a variety of ways. Could it be your, you know, your family was in trouble and you needed to rush off and help? You know, those could all be could all be factors, and you could even then lead that into another story. Like the family example, well, maybe the party has a job to finish, but the second they're done with that, they're going to run to your home to assist you because you're their friend. And then, okay, you're having that reconnection and you're in the thick of things again. (laughs) That's what Sabine's player did on Rebels. (laughs) (laughs) That's one way of looking at it. Like for me, it's one of those things of, yeah, it's trying to work it into whatever is going on. Like every now and then it's rare but we've had a person missing for a recording session on Heroes. So what we do with that is their character's off doing something else. Yes. It is a rare thing, but it does happen. And, well, you got to deal with it. Mm-hmm. If a player is leaving, then that's a lot more permanent. Just like someone leaving at work, someone leaving a group of friends. This is something that is big. Like, someone leaving the group is going to be a big thing. Definitely a thing of trying to um, manage what everyone's looking for afterwards. And also not like a potential... I might have a different opinion on this than you, but one of the ways I look at it, if you're having a player leave, is don't... Like, you know, maybe you take a week off, maybe you need some time to retool things or think about things, especially if they're, uh, that player leaving was due to bad blood. Mm-hmm. but I wouldn't let that linger for too long. Even if you're not ready to get back to that campaign, meet up, play something, do something, keep you know, keep the fires hot, as it were. <laughs> um, so that way you can dive back in or start up the next thing. I am absolutely in full agreement with that. One of the things that sort of breeds long-term health into a game group is regular meeting. Mm-hmm. For an example, I have a group that meets once a month every third Saturday. We've been doing this for years. Now, at this point, we went through all of Saga Edition as an example. So we're looking at wow. probably <laughs> 10 years at this point. Like We started, yeah, we actually started as an RCR group. Yeah, at least. So, yeah, we've been doing this every third Saturday, and we've just been doing it every third Saturday. Every now and then we have to miss because, well, summer happens or Christmas happens or things like that. And yeah, the first session back is always a brutal one. And, well, to be honest, every single time is sort of a brutal one to get up and running. Well, what were we doing? It was a month ago. But we've got someone who's got really good at notes and it works. It's the regularity. If we're down enough players that we're not feeling comfortable running a session because we don't want people to get too far behind on XP... And Mm -hmm. if you're giving out experience for a day of play, that's a lot of experience. Yeah, we'll play games like Eldritch Horror or Mansions of Madness. Or you can throw together a little RPG like my Wednesday group. We've run Lasers and Feelings and (laughs) All Out of Bubblegum and some of those quick little games. Or what we actually did most recently when our Tales from the Loop game was missing another week is one of the players threw together a Star Trek Adventures, like, one-shot. And we played the first half of that with intention to, you know, finish it up when time permits. But at least kept the, what was it, the four of us who could make it. Uh, We were meeting up normal time and playing something. That's a great idea. 
for myself, one of the things that if I'm going to an RPG session, I will bring my fiasco stuff because, well, if we're getting together to play and I'm going somewhere, I'm bringing it back up. And fiasco's a great drop-in of just randomness. Absolutely. Yeah, like lasers and feelings or any of the other sort of one-shot bring to the table and just go. Like, that's one of the reasons why I'm looking very forward to getting Dusk City Outlaws in my hands. What's that? Technically, I can probably find the PDFs because I backed the Kickstarter for this when it was on Kickstarter, obviously. The person, Rodney Thompson? Oh! Yeah, he used to work for Wizards of the Coast, and he worked Mm -hmm. on, like, Saga Edition Star Wars. He's worked on... 5th edition, he's worked on Lords of Waterdeep. Like, he's also worked at Bungie, so Destiny and that. Mm-hmm. He's put together a company called Scratchpad Publishing. Their first RPG light is a game called Dusk City Outlaws. And it's supposed to be a play-in-five-minutes type RPG. Hmm. So, for an RPG... It funded well. It's one of those ones where, like, sort of a steampunky level of technology, or maybe, like, late fantasy, like, say, Pathfinder-ish. It's supposed to be along the lines of, like, Leverage or Ocean's Eleven-style heists. And it's supposed to be a heist game. Okay. And it's just supposed to be a heist game of one-shots. So, kind of like Blades in the Dark and that sort of stuff. It looked interesting. The pedigree as well was great. And I don't really care which way you're looking at it. There's at least... Two of the contributing people who are doing scenarios for it that are amazing. (laughs) And I'll have links in the show notes. Another suggestion. It may not apply to everybody, but if you run one shots or run convention games, that's a great thing to have in your back pocket. If you ever need to set up a game on the fly, like I know I've got a couple of mouse guard adventures and a Ghostbusters RPG adventure and stuff like that, that I've got pregens already made. I can easily grab them all from wherever I am, print them off, and okay, let's go. And when those scenarios happen, that can also be a good opportunity to let the GM have a break. Mm. If somebody else is willing to run for a night, because sometimes to, especially if somebody's leaving or the GM's retooling something, it can be helpful to where one week they don't have to plan. Yeah. Where they get to just play and think about what's going to happen next and okay, and then we're going to get back into it. That's a great point. It allows everyone to decompress. I'd almost suggest just running one of these sessions anyway. Mm -hmm. Like running a one-shot for your players, switching up who's the GM once in a while, just so that everyone's able to stretch their legs proverbially like the halloween episode of heroes yeah exactly the reason for the halloween and the genesis episodes are another great reason for why we were doing those yes it was a great opportunity for the gm to stretch their legs and like i was able to play lieutenant hastings once like that was weird and we were able to bring matt in for the genesis episode but that wasn't specifically the reason why it was because brent had things that he had to do those times Yes. So we were losing him anyway. It was a weird time for us to be recording. So, well, okay. Yep. We're going to do something (laughs) unique. And I think they both worked out really well. They're very different from the ordinary show. And likewise for your your table, those sessions will probably be very different. But that's not a bad thing. If anything, I'd say that's the good part of them. Mm -hmm. 
it is unique. It is weird for what's going on. It shakes things up. And also using those two as an example, in one case, we played something, well, same rule system, but setting-wise, entirely different. Mm -hmm. And in the other one... We actually still made use of the characters in our setting. The feel of the Halloween special is different, but like, you know, Chris came in and made it in his own, but it's still a chapter in those characters' lives. That's a really good point. That, yeah, you can have it as a one-off. Now, you saying that really brings to mind, I'll try and keep this short, is one instance where the aforementioned five-person group Two people couldn't be there. This was the one just before Christmas, where two of the players couldn't be there. In that case, I still had three people to show up. So I sort of put it to the players, well, what do we want to do? Oh, well, we've got this one person coming back. The other two people could be out shopping, we went with. Because they were on a city planet, why not? Mm -hmm. We went with, well, this person, the reason why I was really anxious to have it be sort of in their characters as a side thing, was because this was the first time this player had come back in a while. So I wanted to get them back familiar with their character. Then these two, the two regulars who had been there, they were game for it. So we did this little side adventure. Mm -hmm. If you take a look at it on a TV show, it's usually what ends up from a bottle episode. Uh, like that was really smart of you because you didn't waste the opportunity to catch up the player who had been gone for a while. Because that's always a difficult thing, mm -hmm. and that's a lot less intimidating than being dropped into the middle of the ongoing story. The other thing is sometimes those little like side adventures can lead back into the main story. Like for Heroes, the fact that Hastings was very proudly wearing his injury when we go into the medal ceremony, something minor. Or to use an example from a different AP podcast, Dice for Brains, they did uh, their Death Star intermission episode, introduced a pretty prominent character for season four, Commander Sams. Good point. Very good point. Where you don't have to have been part of that adventure, but you still, aspects of it can carry forward. You can make sure it's not just a, oh, this is the bottle episode and nothing in here affects the greater whole. Minor things can pull out of it. I guess sort of the quick thing that we went away from is, yes, the players are going to have to deal with the mechanics of someone leaving. Yes, they no longer have those skills. But like in a bottle episode on TV, if you're able to do sort of a bottle episode on your table, you're not going for this big showy story where you're trying to advance the plot a lot. The bottle episode is a character episode. Advancing a character, to be honest... In an RPG, all you got is the characters. Everything else is window dressing. So if you're building a character, if you're building up a character, that's not a waste of time. I take a look at Season 3 episode of Rebels. It's one where a lot of people could say virtually nothing happened. It's a Sabine episode where she's learning on how to use the Darksaber from Kanan and Ezra. In that particular case, Hera, Zeb, and Chopper aren't in the episode. Or if they are, it's pretty much waving. They're in a, in a minor capacity. Anything that they're there for is just sort of framing, like what you'd expect from a player when they get back to the table. But it has a big effect on both Sabine and Kanan. Exactly. Another example from Rebel Season 3, there's an episode where it's Zeb, Chopper, and AP5. <laughs> 
And <laughs> so most of the party is missing. Yep. They don't like they don't appear after the beginning. And it's a weird little mini adventure that ultimately doesn't have much that carries over besides, you know, just being a as some fun character moments. But it does do one thing that carries forward and introduce the infiltration droids. That is now a fact in that setting that they continue to use. And that's the thing is that those are the two sides. Yeah. You don't have to move it forward that much. But yeah, introducing a new thing that the players now have to worry about. Oh, right. Right. In my own bottle episode, the one I was talking about, I introduced a corrupt police officer who is there trying to supposedly deliver a bounty payment. But Mm -hmm. the person who had just come back, like, it was sort of trying to say, yeah, people are watching. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was sort of like the little bottle episode of them trying to bring in a bounty that had an Imperial assassin in there. Or at least that was a card. The thing that they kind of got going forward is there's always cameras watching. They're always under surveillance. And now the players have to remember that. And pass it forward. Exactly. Where, you know, and this can, one case where both like player and character knowledge can affect things. The people (laughs) who show up again, even if you tell them at first, are less likely to remember until they're in a scene where one of the people who was is grabbing their shoulder and like putting the finger to their lips <laughs> like don't, don't don't talk about that here. <laughs> exactly. It's one of those ways that you can leverage that player knowledge is always going to inform character knowledge. No matter how amazing of a role player people are, there's still going to be some bleed through of player knowledge to character knowledge. We had a really awesome moment of that that was just serendipity for heroes. <sighs> yeah. Where Chris had done the Force Vision, yep. knew what he saw, none of us knew what he had seen, and then we had an episode where where Chris couldn't make it, and it was mostly dealing with Brent and um, TV93, but you can call him Amps, um, <laughs> memories. And the two of them didn't know what the other one knew when we were first talking about Zorn. Yeah. We found out about it later. <laughs> yeah, and it worked out just perfectly that on the way to zorn well one person knows it from force visions one person knows it from their memories from 20 years ago well okay now talk yeah <laughs> it's like oh what, what's going on now that could not have been planned to to have that awesome moment it just that's how the dice fell from people's real life schedules and it was perfect <laughs> it's one of those times where schedules lined up just so that you could create a small little sort of side adventure, though it wasn't really a side adventure, getting to get Amp with a group. Like, when Amp revealed himself as Amp. Mm-hmm. It's like, what is going on? Like, heck, I even remember Chris's disbelief that, what the heck is going on? Is this the same droid? Yeah. <laughs> and just playing that completely for laughs. It's like, what's going on here? Like, if you're down a couple players for a night, Sometimes that's a great thing to do. It's like, okay, tonight we are doing the Curse of the Puffer Pig. Because apparently I have those on my <laughs> mind. And then, like, those two people are around whichever base you're at, and a Puffer Pig is delivered with an ominous message attached. And now they have to deal with it. Or it becomes <laughs> a pet. Something like that. Oh, I want you to run this adventure. <laughs> <laughs> well, whoever survives Zorn... Oh, now I'm almost sad thinking about that. I guess this is sort of getting close to my final sort of message for this. Get your player groups 
together, whatever's surviving. Find out if you're wanting to continue. If you are, find some bit of character that you're wanting to advance and blow that up into a full adventure or full session. And what I mean by that is, okay, this person has a debt to Black Sun and that has now become the focus of this session. So there's a deck collector for Black Sun showing up on the ship. The player group has to deal with them. Mm -hmm. Now, if they want to deal with this Black Sun figure, as some would, and find a garbage disposal, that is definitely a thing that can happen. But how does that affect Black Sun? Mm -hmm. Some of it's just sort of dealing with that to uh, maybe not silly extents, but actually focusing in on what the characters are doing for it. And that can also just be an effective technique for both characters and players of distracting them from the change in the dynamic or letting them figure it out on the fly. And how many countless TV shows do something like that? All of them. Yeah, somebody was lost, something bad happened, you know, whatever, and you immediately just, let's move into the next thing. There's something else that that requires attention. I'm thinking of Babylon 5 because, well, I'm going through a rewatch of it because of the audio guide to Babylon 5. Fun podcast. One of the things that was built into the show was what they called trap doors. For in case any actor had to leave, they built in trap doors. Hmm. The character, the actor, or the actress could leave. In one case, it's an ensemble show, but they actually changed the main actor after the first season. Yeah. (laughs) And then the show goes on for four more seasons. How do you do that? You gotta go back to the basics with it and then figure out how do I move forward. Change things to the new normal. So, Christine, do you have any final thoughts since that kind of is mine? I think you hit the nail on the head. (laughs) That really is. just Whatever has happened, you lost somebody, somebody new has come in, both have occurred at the same time. Make it the new normal. And if you, I know we spent a bit of time discussing what happens if you have a player missing for a little while. If that occurs, capitalize on the opportunity. It doesn't have to be a negative. It can help fuel the narrative. Even if, you know, real life concerns are inconvenient to the game, it can add something else. Wiping my brows, I set the bugwing back down on the landing pad. One, two, three, uh, four landing struts go down to the ground. Uh, you did good back there, getting those two raiders to crash into each other. But did you have to use the front of the bogwing to do it? Um, I was trying to ram him. Them running into each other was kind of an accident. But I, I promise, Ben, I will fix the nose and the turret... And I feel the deck shift at an angle beneath my feet as one of the landing struts gives way. The landing strut. Join us next time on a patched-up tale from the Hydean Way. You can find show updates on Twitter at the Hydean Way, and you can find me on Twitter at Twelfth Night. That's one two T H Night with a K. And you can find me at Deuterium Ice. We are all at thehydeanway.com, where you can find previous episodes, links to things we talk about on the show and our live play podcast, Heroes of the Hydean Way. Our podcast is on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, where you can find more episodes, and while you're there, help us out by rating and reviewing the show. 
Drop us a holocom at tales at thehydeanway.com. We're also on Facebook as Tales from the Hydean Way. If you like what we do and want to support the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash thehydeanway. Or you can give us a coffee at ko-fi.com slash thehydeanway.